Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's all streaming now on Hulu. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life, look. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Hello, welcome to another edition of Club Shay Shay. I am your host, Shannon Sharp, and I have two guys stopping by the club today for a drink and conversation. One is a 16-year NBA vet. He's the CEO and co-founder of Biola, Al Harrington, and the other is an NBA legend, 11-time All-Star MVP, three-time All-NBA, four-time scoring champ, three-time steel champ, Hall of Famer, and Rookie of the Year, Mr. Allen Iverson. You know him as AI. How you doing, guys? What's that, Shane? What's up, OG? I'm good, bro. How y'all feeling today, bro? I'm good. I'm medicated. I'm chilling. <laughs> okay, you guys got you got a special announcement you guys want to make. Take it away, Al. Hey, man. So, uh, really honored and uh, super excited to be doing a partnership with. Um, uh, how can I explain this dude, man? Like, <laughs> it means so much to me, um, to our culture. Yep. To you know all the all the ballers that came up behind him. You know what I'm saying. Uh, so just being able to work with him and, and and be able to you know create a business opportunity is just amazing. So we're gonna launch uh, some Allen Iverson products uh, in the cannabis space. Uh, we're gonna do TAC products, which would be like flour pre rolls, uh, vapes and concentrates, and then on the CBD side, you know we're gonna do some topical tinctures. And capsules, you know what I'm saying? You know, we're always constantly trying to, um, you know, create products for athletes, by athletes, because we know what we put our bodies through. Mm -hmm. And when you think about him, he was a warrior, you know what I'm saying, throughout his career. You know, obviously played through unbelievable amounts of injuries. And, you know, when we think about the ways that we have to, even myself, I played through a lot of injuries. And yourself, even you. And the things that we had access to, um, to me, were very harmful. You know what I'm saying? To deal with, you know, the opioids and all the prescription drugs. But now, you know, uh, you know, cannabis is now being viewed through another lens, you know, uh, and we think that we have products that will be very beneficial to athletes. So just really excited for this partnership. All right. Hey, Al, what made you want to partner with Viola Al? Obviously, you know, Al, what what made you want to get involved with this this company? It was definitely Al. Um, his vision. Um, 
I could just basically hear the excitement in his voice when he called me about it. And, um, you know, when he explained to me everything that he was trying to do, um, I was on board, you know what I mean? Because it, it, like it felt like an honor to, to help him um, develop something and, and, and make it better than what it is now. And for one of his dreams to come true and, you know, for me to have the opportunity to help him in any way, you know, I was I was all for it. You know what I mean? Me and him um, got a great relationship and uh, it just felt like the right thing to do. Uh, what made what made you decide to get into this space? You tried other things. You tried a restaurant, tried hotels. What made you decide to go into this space? Because you were ahead of your time. It was my grandmother. Okay. You know, uh, now, 11 years ago, um, I was able to convince my grandmother, who was 79 years old at the time, to, you know, come see me play when I was playing in Denver. Okay. And when she got there, um, I didn't know at the time, but, you know, she was dealing with a lot of different ailments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I bought a bag up for her and she opened it and took all these pills. And I was just like, Grandma, what's going on? Why are you <laughs> taking so much medication? And she gave me the long list of, you know, I always say like the black grandmother ailments, yes. right? She had high blood pressure, yeah. diabetes, glaucoma. And when she said glaucoma, I was telling her about an article I was reading literally two days before she got there right. about how cannabis helped with glaucoma patients. So finally started telling her about it and she just asked me, she said, well, well what, is, what is cannabis? And I said, it's marijuana weed. And she's like, reefer? She's like, boy, I ain't smoking no reefer, you out your mind. <laughs> so I was like, well, grandma, this is medical, doctors prescribe it, you know, you should give it a try. She told me no. But this was a guy, I feel like God was working. Right. You know what I'm saying? The next day I come home from shoot around and she's literally in the kitchen complaining about how bad her eyes hurt. So I just said, Grandma, why don't we just try the cannabis? It'll be our secret. I won't tell nobody. Let's see what happens. So she said yes. And uh, went to the dispensary. My boy did. Bought back um, a strain called Vietnam Kush. We put in a volcano bag of all things. So just let you know, I know nothing about smoking. Um, had her try it. Uh, she hit it two, three, four times, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, all right, Grandma, that might be enough. <laughs> so I took, <laughs> I took her downstairs. Uh, I went and took a nap because I had a game. Right. Woke up before I you know, jumped in the shower, so let me go check on her. So I go downstairs. The door is closed. So I open the door, you know, knock on the door. I don't hear nothing. Knock again, and I open the door. And her back is to the door, and she's looking down. And I just said, Grandma, um, how you feeling? And she turned around, man, and she was crying tears. She said, I'm healed. She said, you know, I haven't been able to read the words in my Bible in over three years. Wow. And uh, it, it changed me mm -hmm. at that moment. You know, I, I went in there, I hugged her. Uh, you know, she was crying. She made me start crying. And, you know, she was just testifying, saying how everything was so bright and everything was so clear. And that's what inspired me to learn more about cannabis. And eventually, you know, we got our first license. And, you know, Viola is my grandmother. Right. You know, we named the company after her. I thought you was going to say you opened the door and you found grandma hitting it again without you. <laughs> <laughs> that's now. <laughs> hey, I, obviously, hey, I, when you play as long as you guys play, and you play in, you know, you play on a Monday night, you play, may play a back-to-back, -back, you get two days off, and then you play Thursday, Friday. And you play in these games, the up and down, the 35, 40 minutes a night AI for you. Do you wish that the NBA, because there seems to be there's, there's a shift in how we view marijuana now. Do you wish there would have been that shift back then? Do you believe guys could have played better, played longer, had they had this substance instead of the, uh, the, the narcotics and the pills and the injections that they were forced to take back then? I don't, I don't know exactly, but um, 
I think it should have been more of a conversation. Right. You know what I mean? More of a conversation. Instead of it being something, something so negative. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, I think it should have been looked at a, another way. And, you know, the, the most important thing is our health, obviously. Correct. You know what I mean? You know, and, you know, obviously it's to each his own with everything that, uh, that you do. But, you know, a, a, a lot of people just from hearing from Al and different people, you know, they felt like, you know, it, it could have added more years to their career and, and did a lot of um, things for them as far as healing from night to night. So um, I don't know, man. Like like I said, I, I'm, I'm getting um, um, education from Al and, you know what I mean, just listening to different things that, um, you know, he, he tell me about how it, you know, can help people. And um, I'm all for that. You know what I mean? If I can have a chance, an opportunity to uh, to help somebody and to make their career go, you know, a couple years longer or, you know, get people to heal the best way that they can, then I'm all for it. You know what I mean? I just felt like it was a great idea, a great opportunity to help a partner of mine. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to the results of everything. But Al, you just did, Al, you did something very unique because you're not one of these guys that says, okay, I'll, you know, I got some money, I'll be the front and that's it. You rolled up your sleeve. You found out about it from picking the seeds and where to go and the different types of strands and what would be best for you in the business that you were trying to, to go in. A lot of people don't do that. Why were you so like, you know what? I need to know everything there is to know about this business. So when people ask me this, I can tell them that. When they ask me that, I can tell them this. And I can go into great detail and tell them why this is a good, a, a good substance for them. Well, to be honest, you know, when I started this 10 years ago, this is my 10 year anniversary, bro. It wasn't, I didn't have an option of being the face of. Right. It wasn't popular then. Right. You know what I'm it saying? It was taboo. Like, to be honest, you know, yeah, it was too taboo. I mean, honestly, I, I, if I asked Chuck 10 years ago to go on a weed company, he probably looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's how serious it was during that time. And I mean, for me, my financial advisor literally dropped me because I made the investment in the cannabis. Right. Like he literally told me he wasn't going to help me launder money. He wasn't going to jail behind helping me start a <laughs> cannabis company. It just wasn't popular back then. Right. Bro. You had, I had to do it all myself. You know what I'm saying? And the stand, even from the standpoint of, you know, hiring attorneys and different things like that. My first attorney that I hired, man, like everything he told me to do was the wrong thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, thank God I knew how to read and understand and be able to, you know, interpret, you know, different contracts and legislation that actually got me to this point where I am today. You know what I'm saying? Right. But anything, what I've learned just in my career as being an entrepreneur, like if anything that you're going to put your money and time into, you're going to have to put blood, sweat, and tears into right. it if you're going to get something out of it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And being that, and during that time, like, you know, I was afraid that if people found out, I might lose my contract. Right. Like, it was just different then, right. man. It, but, you know, but I had to literally do everything myself. Right. And, you know, obviously it made me a monster in the game. Right. You know what I mean? Like, now I am a cannabis expert. You know what I'm saying? I'm a thought leader. And, you know, we're really breaking down barriers every single day, you know, as a company and me personally as an entrepreneur in the space. Some of the best restaurants are owned by chefs because they're in the one doing the cooking. They understand what the what the clientele is going to like, what they need, what the, you know, what they prefer. So you you were in the fields. So you went. So how did you know to go about saying, you know what? I really need to know everything. And you you you, you admitted that I had to do this with a veil of secrecy because it was so taboo. People didn't look at marijuana then like they look at it now. 
Right. Well, I had to be like, to your point, like I had to know everything because at the same time, like cannabis is still federally illegal. Right. Right. So I, I couldn't put, you know, all that I've worked for, you know, all the network that I was able to get my reputation. I couldn't put it in the hand of somebody else. Right. I had to know exactly what was going on. You know what I'm saying? And, and why I was making certain decisions and where our money was going and right. how we were paying taxes and all these different things. You know what I'm saying? So to your point, yes, a chef, you know what I'm saying? If you want to run a restaurant, you need to know every part of that restaurant Correct. to make sure you don't lose any money. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. I learned that early in the game. Like once again, my old financial advisor, one of the things he used to challenge me with every time because as NBA players or as professional athletes, you know, we get a business deal every week, right? Right. So, you know, a lot of times I would bring deals and want to do it. He would say no. And then finally he told me like, you really want to do this deal. You do the, you do the due diligence yourself. You do the research. Mm -hmm. And that's what really opened my mind. I was 28 years old when that happened. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And ever since then, that's how I conduct myself in business. And I was able to take Pretty much, you know, with athletes, you know, the way we grind and, you know, and how regimented we are and different things like that. I took all of everything that made me a 16 year pro right. and brought it into this world. And that's why we're thriving. You know what I'm saying? Because we're diligent. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're militant and we get shit done. <laughs> you good, bro. <laughs> you good. You good. But AI, AI, I'm sure you could attest to this. Everybody got great business ideas with your money. And the thing that you have to understand, right. Alan, I'm sure you found this out, is that when people like, oh, he going into a business, he don't really know. So we might be able to steal a dollar here, steal a dollar there. Yeah, I mean, he ain't going to know. He worried about something else. So let's take advantage of him. Hey, I, I, I'm sure you tried to open up a business. What is some of the advice that, you know, if I were to, if, you know, you're trying to explain to someone like, OK, you want to open up a business? This is what you need to do. That's the that's the basically the, the problem that I had a, a lot when I was playing, you know what I mean? Because um, I was I was dibbling and dabbling in a lot of things. And, um, you know, I wasn't as serious as I was with those things like I was with basketball. Correct. You know, uh, a lot of times um, during my career, um, you couldn't tell me that it would come to an end. You know, <laughs> so I always, I always felt like, you know, um, once I retired, you know, the things that I get involved with, you know, that's a job every single day. Like it was being an NBA basketball player. Correct. You know what I mean? I think that's the most thing. That's the most important thing for anybody that's trying to do anything. You got to put your blood, sweat and tears into it. Like I said, and, and, and make sure you're watching everything to make sure it's done the way you envisioned it, the way you wanted it to, to, to turn out and be successful. Alice says cannabis is going to be a $70 billion industry by 2028. It says it's a $24 billion business as we sit here today in 2021. But you know with anything when it comes to businesses, normally minorities are on the outside looking in. Even though, you know, when they had the war on drugs, it was the minorities that were going to jail. It was the minorities that were getting the harsh sentences and suffering the penalties. So how do, we, how does my, how do minorities gain access to a business that now people see that are profitable, you're gonna have big tobacco, big pharma trying to come in and overtake it. Yeah, so <clears throat> the way we're gonna do it is, you know, one of the things that we advocate for at Viola is, you know, for obviously inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. And it's through a lot of these social equity programs. Uh, right now, cannabis is very, very, very expensive to partake in because, you know, right now you can't get loans. Any traditional ways of, you know, starting a business is not accessible to us right now, okay. right? You have to either get it from, 
you know, private, private people, uh, family offices, and that comes down to resources and relationships, Correct. right? A lot of these social equity programs are, you know, catered to giving them to uh, people that were recently incarcerated, all these different things. And what makes it tough is because, you know, if somebody was just recently incarcerated, you know, how do you make an investment into this person Correct. where, you know, they're going to be majority, they make all the decisions, all these different things. So what some of the things we're working on at Viola is we have an incubator program where we're trying to teach, um, you know, the people that actually come through our program um, ways to, you know, be able to, you know, get into the business and actually be successful in the business. Right. Because it's obviously overly regulated. The legislation constantly changes and it's just very difficult to actually, you know, be successful in the space. But what we're going to fight for is for that opportunity either way. You know, a lot of times these states, you know, usually give out all these licenses and they give out social equity after the fact. And in basketball terms, how I look at it is like it's like spotting the Warriors from two years ago, a 30 point lead to start every game. Right. It's impossible for us to win. Right. You know what I'm saying? What black people have shown constantly is we are masters of making something out of nothing. If you give us a true fair shot opportunity, we can compete with the best of them. Right. And that's what we're fighting for. And that's what Viola's going to do. And that's what I'm really excited for, bringing Allen into this family and into this, into this purpose. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, what we're doing is we're giving people hope and we're giving them, you know, we're giving them something to aspire for. We're inspir- inspiring them to really go out and go after this because this is generational wealth at risk for our people. You know, there's obviously industries before this, rice, sugar, cotton, uh, alcohol, tobacco, you know, the lottery. These are all tobacco. These are all things we we started. Yeah, this, we, we pioneered yeah. those things, and we have no ownership. But we can't allow this to happen with cannabis. Eighty-five percent of drug arrests, like you just mentioned, in, the, in in black communities, is always cannabis related. The one thing that I know that I've been in the game for eleven years, I still haven't met any black farmers that own thousands of acres of cannabis, and I haven't met any of them that own trucking companies. So all <laughs> I'm saying is that. All those things had to happen before they hit our community and none of those people were ever, ever affected. It was only us. So we just feel like right now we got to make a stand and we got to make sure that we get our piece of the pot. And that's what I'm fighting for every single day. So are you telling us we started the numbers game that they be playing the cash three and the cash four? We started playing that at the, you remember we used to play that at, at, at the club, you know. And locked us up for it. <laughs> and they locked us up for that too. <laughs> It's crazy. Al, you, you, but as you mentioned that weed is still federally regulated. How do you how do you get it off the uh, federal control list? Because I mean, if so many if, if you know, you're making billions and billions off of it. What's going on here? I think it's just a matter of time, man. I think the government as you know, this is what they do, right? They just got to figure out how do they tax it? How do they get their How do they get their cut? And in the main, <laughs> how do they get their cut and then they also have to figure out how do they regulate it? right and regulated consistently across all markets where well, i think that it's got probably going to end up being just like liquor where they're going to allow each state to kind of have their own nuances or whatever but you know we have chuck schumer um you know cory booker we have people that are definitely out pushing for federal legalization and you know i think that it's coming sooner than later you know i think the first thing that will happen will be federal decriminalization which will allow each state to make their own rules around how they want cannabis to be, you know, regulated mm-hmm. within that state. Right. And then after that, federal will come right behind it. Do you think America would be surprised at how many of their best athletes smoke cannabis? They would be very surprised. <laughs> um, I personally, I, I personally think that there's 80 plus percent of the NBA players that use cannabis in some shape, form, or fashion. 
Um, I want to just say that like most times when you hear about someone using cannabis, the first thing you think about is them smoking a bomb yeah. and all that. But cannabis has evolved so much right. past that now, right? To the point where, like I said, you know, now we have all these other different ways to deliver cannabis, where whether it's a vape pen, whether it's an edible, whether it's a tincture, whether it's capsules, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's a topical cream, it's all these different ways that players can now use cannabis to benefit them for recovery and just overall well wellness. When, if I said, Al, you could get four people you could smoke with, dead or alive, give me the four you choosing. AI. <laughs> this ain't smoking. I want to smoke with you. <laughs> hey, we definitely, we definitely going to have to be at the house. <laughs> I want to smoke with, I want to smoke with Bob Marley. Um, and I wouldn't mind smoking with Barack Obama. I want to watch him inhale. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That'd be a nice group. That, that, that's a nice group. That's a nice group. I think, uh, I don't know, AI. I, I think I can get you. I, AI say he did it 26 years. I think I can get AI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you got me. <laughs> Let's get to some sports. Uh, AI, you had it, you did it all. You were Mr. Basketball, Mr. Football at, at Newport. Right? You from Newport, am I correct? Yeah, you from Newport. Newport, Newport, Newport. Yeah. Mean, Michael, Michael Vick, Sweet Pea, uh, Pernell right. Whitaker, all y'all from down, down that area. Right. Uh, right. Let me ask you this. Had you not chosen basketball, do you think you could have been as good an NFL player as you were an NBA player? Shannon, and 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 this is like a um this is a bucket list moment for me because Shannon Sharp is asking me a question about <laughs> so right there, you know, I'm already when I, when I go home and 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 I see the guys I grew up with, you know, I'm gonna brag about this situation right here. You asking me about football, but not being cocky, not being arrogant. I think no, I know that I would have been a better player in football than I than I was wow. in basketball. And, and and that's not disrespecting basketball guys. That's not disrespecting the game that that that's done so much for me. I mean, I'm a household name. I'm a Hall of Famer in that in that sport. But football was my first love. And at the same time, Shannon, you know, if I would have had to get on the gridiron, then I wouldn't have never stopped lifting weights after high school. <laughs> You know what I mean? So you would have seen a whole totally different physique. I might be looking like you or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I would have, I would have had to. Right. I would have had to. Yeah. Or I had a, um, would have had a short, short career. You know what I mean? Basketball, I just didn't like weights because I just <laughs> thought it was too heavy. <laughs> but football, I know I would have had to, I would have had to lift. And then you can, you can, um, you can ask anybody. From Virginia, and 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 they will tell you, Shannon, that you know, hands down, I was I would have been better in football. So that was my first love. So you would have been a Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, uh, Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick. You you was Michael Vick before Michael Vick. All you gotta do is ask Mike. And then and then what's 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 wild about what you're saying, and that 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 lets me um, know about. Definitely. Well, I've been know about your your sports IQ, but 
you know, that's how I was as a basketball player. You know what I mean? I wanted to add some of Michael Jordan game, add some of Magic, be fast like Isaiah, rebound like Barkley, be dominant like Shaq. You know what I mean? Do it all on the court. Right. Like, you know, you know, the, 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 the guys that do everything, not just one particular thing on the basketball. I, I didn't want to have no weaknesses out on the court. So I tried to impl implicate all of those guys' game in the minds. And that's what I would have did in football. You know what I mean? Right. I would have wanted to be um, accurate like Aaron Rodgers and, and have the arm like Aaron Rodgers. But I definitely would want to run like Russell. I definitely would want to run like Lamar Jackson or Mike Vick. You know what I mean? I just wanted, you know, uh, in basketball, I didn't want the opponent to feel like they could do just one thing to shut me down. Right. I wanted to have a variety of things that I could counteract with. You know what I mean? When they try to take something away from me. And it would have been the same thing in football. Like, I mean, just the way you changed the game at tight end. You know, tight Appreciate ends that. was not playing the game. Nope. Like, you know, you played the game. You know what I mean? It was like a wide receiver playing tight end. You know what I mean? And that's how you changed the game. And that's what I would have tried to add to my my football game is different parts of greats and try to put it in one game and be out of knowledge. Al, you came directly out of high school. Did you know that that was something that you always wanted to do when you were growing up? Obviously, you were probably taller than everybody else and you wanted to play in the NBA. When did you realize, like, you know what? I ain't going to college. I'm going straight from high school to the NBA. <clears throat> So, I mean, I, I, I don't tell my story enough, but believe it or not, I didn't start. Football was my first love, too. Okay. Right? And I wanted to be a defensive end. I played I played defensive end and offensive tackle. Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, offensive I was the worst player. <laughs> bro, offensive tackle. Yeah, yeah. Bro, that's left side, bro. That's where all the money at. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but. I didn't, I didn't hoop. I, I didn't hoop until I was a freshman in high school. I was six four. I had moved. So when I got there, they see this big tall kid. They like, oh, you gonna play basketball? So I was the worst player on my on my freshman team. My sophomore year, I transferred to an all basketball school. I don't know why I did that. I just just decided to say, forget football. I'm gonna play basketball only. I was probably the worst player my sophomore year too. But between my sophomore and my junior year, man, I just dedicated myself to the gym. And like my game, just like I just got nice out of nowhere. Right. And to be honest, like I didn't have hoop dreams as a kid. Like I, I thought I was gonna go to Notre Dame and play for the New York Giants. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Growing up. Okay. And next thing you know, bro, like I, I'm a soft, I'm a junior. I'm killing. My going to my going into the summer, going into my senior year, and I was like top 25. I got that good, that fast. Right. And it was certain names on that list I needed to go get. And they were all at the uh, Nike All-American camp. Okay. So instead of me, I was an Adidas kid, but I said, I'm going to Nike to go get those kids. And I went to Nike and I ended up being the MVP of the camp. And I had just told the guy that was training me, I said, yo, if you can get me to being the number one player in the country, I'm going to go pro out of high school. And bro, that's literally how I made the decision. <laughs> like I had no idea, bro. It's just, I just got really good out of nowhere right. and ended up being the number one player in the country. And uh, you know, the rest is history.
Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Don't miss the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun, set in feudal Japan. Shogun tells the story of one warrior in the fight of his life as a mysterious European ship arrives in Japan. Catch FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. The Veil is a globetrotting game of truth and lies between two women with thousands of lives hanging in the balance. And crime fans, don't miss the all-new series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and is waiting for you on Hulu. There was a couple of months ago, uh, Kwame Brown came up. And I don't think, me personally, I don't think Kwame was a failure. You don't make it to the NBA, the number one overall pick. Now, maybe he, some people say, well, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. He wasn't this or that. But what if you could have given, what, what do you think some of the things that happened to Kwame? Because watching him, he's athletic. He could run. He was nimble. He was quick. Why don't you think he enjoyed the level of success that many think he, he was destined to have? Well, from, you know, from what I know about the situation, because I know a couple guys that was on the Wizards, you know, when he got drafted. Okay was that he went to a veteran team where um, I guess that they didn't really want him there. Right. You know, I think that what he was saying was the truth. Like, he thought that he was supposed to go to the Clippers for Ellen Brand. Right. So those veterans that, you know, Michael Jordan want to win right now. Right. Right. He don't want to develop a high school kid. Right. Yep. So from what I hear, it was just like he didn't get a lot of support, you know what I'm saying, from the from the vets. And, you know, that's, that's a big thing, man. And I will say, like, as much as I wanted to be a top five pick, you know, God blessed me to be picked at the 25th pick because he put me on a team full of veterans that taught me how to be a man, right. how to be a pro. Right. You know what I'm saying? What they instilled in me, the foundation they gave me, was the reason why I was able to play 16 years and why I had a respectable career was because of the things that those guys taught me. And from what I understand from the outside looking in, it was just from stories, was that he never got that. Because when you think about it to your point, he had everything, but what he lacked was confidence. Yes. And sometimes you need vets to give you that confidence. You know what I'm saying? The one thing I'll just talk about Allen is like, from what I seen it, because I was in Indiana when he was at the height in Philly, when he was giving us 40 every night, but he had all these guys around him that you could tell they believed in him, bro. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was something about the way he gave him a high five, the way he patted him on the ass that made them willing to run through a wall for him. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I think that Kwame never got. And that's the reason why I think his career started off that way. I totally agree. I don't believe you Kwame, could... You, Kwame go ahead. 18? Yeah. Kwame was 18? Yep. 18 years old. Number one pick in the NBA draft. I mean, if, if, if that's not pressure, because, I mean, even if you go lottery, that's, that's big time pressure. Right. He's straight out of high school, no college experience to step on that stage like that, I applaud him. You know what I mean? And I played with Kwame. Right. I love Kwame the person. I played with him. You know what I mean? Everybody talk about, you know, they didn't know Kwame was like this and, you know, how outspoken he is now and everything. Kwame been like that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and something, I don't know when it was and when it happened, something lit a fire up under him and it all came out of him. But, you know, Kwame's smart, very intelligent, man. You, you go on his podcast and you listen to him. You got a lot of great points. You know what I mean? And and I just feel like, you know, 
he was put in a tough position, man, being the number one player in the NBA at that young of an age. You know what I mean? And and like Al said, going to a squad where they were trying to win. Right. Like they had black Jesus on that squad. <laughs> you know, anything you're trying to win now. Right. right. And um it, it's just I, I didn't like the way it turned out because um a lot of guys that he did get into it with is guys that I love and respect. You know what I mean? Right. So I didn't like the whole fiasco anyway. And you know, it it, it gave me a bad feeling anyway. And and I just think you know, um, Kwame did what he did. He was he was successful. I know him as a person and as a teammate. I know he had fun when he played. He enjoyed himself, and um, and and Kwame had a lot of great moments. Now you would expect a number one player to, like Shannon said, end up being a Hall of Famer and All Star. Yes, and all yes, those yes. At least an All Star. Maybe if you don't make the Hall of Fame, at least an All Star. Yes. Right, and, and it and it and it didn't it didn't happen for him, but you know a bus. I can't really I can't say that I, man. Yeah. I mean number one player. I mean number one pick. I don't know all the beautiful things he he's done for his family, mm-hmm. and um and for himself. I, I, I applaud him, man. You know what I mean? I love Kwame Brown. Guys, we 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 all ex professional uh, ex professional athletes, and you know the number one thing people can say, well, it, it's size, it's this, it's that, it's confidence. We've seen guys that right. are tall. We've seen guys that can run and can lift all these weights. But if you're not confident when you step out there on the court that, or the field, it don't it. mean nothing. That's it. That's it. That's that's it in a nutshell. If you don't have if the confidence, I don't care if you LeBron James himself. You can be Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? With all the athletic ability in the world. You know what I mean? And if, if you don't believe in yourself, and that's in anything in life. Yes. That's anything. Yes. You know what I mean? You behind the eight ball anytime you don't you don't believe in yourself. You know what I mean? I, I my, my my mentor used to teach me all the time when I was young. He used to say, if it's you and me, it's me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That's not cocky, that's not arrogance or anything like that. That's the belief. That's the, you believing in the talent that God gave you, you know what I mean? And respecting the talent that he gave you by believing that you're the best. You know, I, I stepped on the court with number 23 before both of them. Right. You know what I mean? Both of the number 23s. And when I was on that court that night, I felt like in my heart, I was the best player on the floor. Right. And a million people would say otherwise, but it all that mattered was how I felt. Right. You know what I mean? You gonna always know who number 23 is in black and red you know, when he leave up out of this gym tonight. But you're going to know who number three is, too. And that's just how I approached it. You know what I mean? Because once you don't have the confidence and bow down, the the, the battle is already lost. You're in trouble. Go ahead, Adam. You're in trouble. From the time you step on the floor. I'm, you just, I'm, I'm just agreeing with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, confidence is everything. You know what I mean? Like, you can have, you can have it all. But if you don't believe in yourself, you know what I mean? It don't matter. Right. Shannon, I thought I thought we were a super team. <laughs> that's how I, 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 I that's how I believed in myself. Cause I'm I'm saying you put four other pros with me. Why can't we beat anybody? Right. Them them four pros I'm on the floor with. Right. It ain't like you know, it ain't like, like you I, got janitors. Like they believed in me. Right. Well, they felt like every night in that foxhole, as long as they saw me in that foxhole, we had a chance to win. Hey, I, I think. And I felt. Hey, everybody knows what you did on the court, 
but you also changed the rules because you had everybody coming. If they weighed 150 pounds, they were wearing a T-shirt that was fit shot. They were wearing <laughs> jeans that were fit calm alone. You started that. You started the cornrows. Nobody was had, had cornrows. Nobody was tatted up. Teammates. My teammates hated me for that because <laughs> they, were, they were going to big and small and I would get there before them and buy up all of the stuff. So they couldn't stand all the big men because I would buy all the stuff from, from, from big and tall. I, and I was just, I didn't never think that I was doing nothing wrong. I was dressing like the guys from my neighborhood. Right. It was just, it was just, at some point it, it, it turned from Levi's to Jabos and guests and all, you know yeah. what I mean? Because I could afford it. Right. You know what I mean, and 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 I was getting beat down a lot, um, and I think it's kind of bittersweet because if you look at today's game in every sport, you know you see guys dressing and 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 looking the way they want to look. You know some people can uh, disrespect it, and and it might not be their look, but people comfortable. They supposed to be able to come to work comfortable, right? And and like for me. I never went to the basketball court when I was growing up in a suit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I wear them now because, because you know, my 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 lady like when I wear suits. Right. But back then, me, I was I didn't mean anything by it or anything like that. I was being me, right? And I felt like that. What's what's wrong with being you? Right. Everybody else taking up. So when when, when so when, when the commissioner when the commissioner changed the rule, even though he didn't say it, it was the Allen Iverson rule, you got to wear you know sport right. coat and things of that nature. No oversized T-shirt, no uh, Fubu jeans size fifty when you're size thirty two. What what what, what went Man, through your mind? God bless him. God, may he rest in peace. I love him to death because we became real we we became real good friends um, towards the end of my career and. Um, I just remember going in there to meet him about that um, dress code situation. Shannon, man, and I had on all baseball and um, <laughs> baseball gear. You know what I mean? And he said something. I think I had on Indian stuff. And he was like, "What's you know, what's all this Major League Baseball stuff you got on? And I'm like, man, it's just clothes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I sat in that meeting, and, I, and I, I thought I may have been in there 30 minutes. And it seemed like I was in there getting chastised for hours. <laughs> and, and I really felt like they changed that rule because, you know, once everybody seen that I was dressing like that, guys were like, well, damn, that's how, you know, I want to dress. That's how I feel. Like I'm, yeah. You know, where was we going after, after, after with Shannon? <laughs> you know, we'd go from the gym and go right to the club. Right. After that. Straight up. I'm going to wear no suit to the club. <laughs> so you so, you was that bridge because everybody saw Michael Jordan suited and booted. He had a shot. He had right. a suit on. He had the tie on, the nice gator, the nice shoes. Okay, Michael Jordan. And then AI comes along in '96, and he got on 4X T-shirt and Fubu, and he tatted up. They're like, "Well, hold on. I want to be like this. This is more comfortable than being like that." It's not the it's, it's it's not the it's not the um it's not the clothes right you know just like when a guy when when some guys you know you said ever seen Reservoir Dogs yep um, <laughs> when they rob the jewelry store or or anybody go rob some banks they don't never have on sweatpants and 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 jeans and baggies. they come in there with suits on <laughs> you know what I mean it's a stereotype right it don't matter it's it's, it's who inside the clothes right man. there you go it matters. you know what I mean. Do you understand? It's, it's, it's the person. But you started. You started the sleeve. Wasn't nobody wearing no sleeve. Yeah. 
He was starting to sleeve. I'm like, why he got that on? I'm like, what, what's wrong? Why? That was, was the sleeve, was it just a fashion statement or did you actually need the sleeve? It was a, it was a, it was an injury and I had just got surgery on my elbow. Your birth so it was an injury and I used to have, I don't know, they, remember the cloth that they used to have yeah. in the training yeah. room? Yeah. But, yeah, they put it over you know, your, they, they cut it and put it over your knees to keep down swelling and thing. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And then I just said, okay, won't y'all just make me one? Right. And then it started to get so popular and I love it now. Like I love seeing guys in different sports, you know, have them on and, and whatever. Some guys wear them and don't even be injured. Right. And I <laughs> one time I was watching the R. Kelly video and the man had it on in the video, man. <laughs> I think well, R. Kelly must have fell off the stage and hurt himself or something. The man got a sleeve on in the video. <laughs> and I was really hurt then. I had to wear it. Right. I ended up turning the sleeve into a fashion, man. And I today, when I look back on it, it's so cool. You see high school players, college players wearing it, even, you know, dudes playing rec league football. <laughs> I just think it's—I it, just think it's so cool and it's a blessing, man. I'm gonna ask both of you this: Who do you think had the best draft class? We are gonna start with '96. AIU was the number one pick: Kobe, Ray Allen, Steve Nash, Jermaine O'Neal, Stephon Marbury. '84: Jordan, Stockton, Barkley, Malone, Sam Perkins, and then in 2003 you got LeBron, Wade, Melo, and Bosh. AI, you up first? All right, first of all, Shannon. You already gave you you already uh you already said the best draft class because when you named ours, look how many players you named. <laughs> and then you forgot some. You forgot Lorenzen Wright. Um did you did you say did you say Kerry Kittles? No, I didn't say Kerry Kittles. Did you say Marcus Camby? Nope. Did you say um Jay Wallace? Nope. Twan Walker. Man, did you say? I, I think you said Steve Nash. I you said, had yeah, Co yeah, you, Kobe, Ray Allen, Steve Nash, Stephon Marbury, Jermaine O'Neal, Derek Fisher. But here's the thing, though. But here's the thing. You, Kobe, Ray Allen, Steve Nash made the hall. Jordan, right. Stockton, Barkley, Elijah Wan made the hall. Braun, Wade, Melo, Bosch will make the hall. I don't know, AI. I don't know. I don't know. Al, Al, yeah, you. You you're a little too smart, man. I knew you was gonna do something to make yourself right or make me wrong. Cause if that cause that was very valid right there. <laughs> I like that. Al, I'm gonna Al. I'm that was dope. <laughs> Suck that one in. You, that, was, that was good. I'm gonna Al. That was good. What, I, what I, you I, think, I'm, Al? I'm thinking, I'm thinking oh. you you was gonna know that that we had so many good players and all star players in there, but then you had to throw that Hall of Fame <laughs> thing out there. Yeah, you, I like that one. You got good, that one. Man. What you what you think it You got that one off. Good smart dude, man. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go 96. You gonna take 96? I, I like I like that. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like that was my era. You know what I'm saying? And they was just like those are the dudes that I looked up to. You know what I'm saying? Remember, I came into the game late. Right. You know? So for me, 96, I would say those guys had more of an impact on the way I played the game than any of those other classes. AI. If you were playing, but I mean, when you got, when you got, when you got, see, when you, it's hard, man. When you got, and not, I'm not taking nothing away from um, Dwayne and, and, and Melo, because I love them guys on and off the court. But in the same thing with Elijah Wan and Mike, 
when you put LeBron in the class and you got Mike. <laughs> hard, man. Hard. Hard to not choose that class, man. They, they, they take it by four or five spots by themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cold monsters. AI, if you exactly. if you were playing in today's game, with the way the rules are now, with no hand checking, with all the space on the floor, at your prime, at your peak, how many points do you think you could average a game? People ask me this, and it sounds so arrogant, um, but it's the truth. The way they play now, and it's so wide open. Yeah, definitely more than my highest average. So I think I average the most average in a season was. Like 33, okay. 33, five something. And I lost the scoring title that year to the Mamba. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? So you know how crazy it was that right. year for me to lose a title and I'm averaging 33. But um, definitely more than my highest average because it's, it's it's too wide open. And um, and with the with the floor spaced out like it is now, it would have been harder to 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 double team me. Um, like they was, and um, and I don't know, but you still now you can they can sit you can sit in the zone, can't you? Yeah. See, that's what I mean. I, I I thought I would think that it would be harder for me. Like when I was in college, um, all my teammates used to say, "Man, well, you know, you're gonna have it good being that you you don't have to deal with no more two threes, one three ones, no more boxing ones. You know what I mean? They're gonna have to play you head up." you know, night in and night out for 48 minutes. And then, ironically, somehow, all of a sudden, when I started winning a couple scoring titles, and this dude, six feet, 165 pounds, you can't stop him. Then all of a sudden, the zone came into the NBA. Do y'all remember that? <laughs> a zone in the NBA, man. Yeah, they, they, jump, they jump in <laughs> and out of the zone right zone. now. They never play a zone in the NBA. So I, I think that was some type of conspiracy, man. That's... <laughs> How many points, how many points, because there's a lot of people say he averaged 40, he averaged 50, he averaged 60. How many points do you think Jordan could average in today's NBA? What's the most he ever averaged, 37? Uh, 37-1. All right, so 40, easy. 40, easy. 40? 40. 40, easy. Yeah, 40, easy. Like, like... 40 is easy. 40 will be easy for Black Jesus. Because Harden, I think easy. Harden, Harden a couple of years ago averaged 36. So you go, so you, right. so you figure Jordan could average 40 with no problem. I, man, Shannon, like, it, it's, when I talk about him, it's different, man. It's, <laughs> and, and, and a lot of times it's biased. A lot of times it's biased because I love him so much. Like, if, 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 if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have had division. I wouldn't be the Allen Iverson, the basketball player today, if it wasn't for him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I feel and, and plus he was he was he was the best to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I, I think I definitely think he was the best. And I and I don't put LeBron in the conversation because I, I love him so much as a as a person and as a and as a basketball player. You know what I mean? It's real, real personal with him. Right. Me and Michael Jordan don't have the personal relationship like me and LeBron. LeBron. Right. But those three, LeBron, Mike, and Kobe, I never seen nothing better. 
I never seen I never seen a player better than those three. I'm gonna ask both of you guys. And you add to that when he had when he averaged 37, he was doing it with twos. They weren't even no what? three. They weren't they weren't shooting three pointers like how they shoot now. You know what I'm saying? Cause just, just imagine if Michael like decided to shoot six, seven threes a game like they do now. Like 40 would have been easy. Oh, no question. Yeah, I didn't even think I, I didn't think about that. Well, let me ask you a question. When, when you first met Michael Jordan, both of you guys, what was it like to meet him for the very first time? You go ahead, Al. So for me, um, it was the first time was actually seeing him on the court in, with the Wizards. Okay. Or whatever. So uh, it was just in the game, and, you know, that game, uh, I actually had a good game. And, you know, he, he started talking, you know, he called everybody a hoe. Yeah. This hoe, so hoe, 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 hoe. So finally, I got to the point where, like, you know, I know it's Michael Jordan, but I'm like, damn, OG, you gonna keep calling me a hoe. <laughs> he like, nigga, you a hoe. I'm like, Did <laughs> yeah, he call uh, me a little bitch? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I had to wear it. But uh, after that game, you know, after that game, we went to an overtime, and uh, I had 35 that game. He had 41. They won the game. And after the game, uh, he signed some shoes and sent it to me after the game. It was like, best, best wishes, keep playing hard and all that. And I, had a, I didn't even ask him for him. So for me, it was like, you know, obviously, you know, I grew up a Knicks fan. Right. But obviously, everybody, you got to like Michael Jordan right. at the end of the day. But, you know, it was just, it was, you know, it was a surreal moment for me. But at the same time, you know, I, I went out there and I competed against him for sure. Yeah. First, first of all, I was a Bulls fan coming up because of him. Okay. But um, while he was in the league, man, I mean, I hated the Bulls more than any team in that league. I hated the Bulls. You know what I mean? Like, once I got into the league right. and, you know, heard the way they talked to us and, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, they knew they, they knew they was at the top of the mountain. And, um, man, I'll never forget my first time. I talked about it in my Hall of Fame speech. And... I, you know, I wasn't lying at all, man. He didn't look real to me. <laughs> like, you know, I know, I know I was starstruck. I know I was starstruck because, like I said, I, I talked about um, the Charlie Murphy Hollywood stories, right. and, and and he talked about uh, Rick James and, and how Rick James walked in the room and he saw like the orange, like his aura. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I saw that. Like I looked at that man and he didn't look human to me. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at him like. Damn, he got on the, you know, he got on the Jordans. You know, he don't even have on the NBA socks. You know, I'm looking at his um his knee brace, yeah. you know, on his shin. And I was like, man, it's him. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. my teammates, they teased me before the game, because they was like, you're not gonna play your game because, you know, Mike on the floor, your idol gonna be out there on the floor. You're not gonna play your game tonight. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was starstruck. But when that ball went up and somebody hand touched it. It just went away. You know what I mean? It was showtime. That, time to dance. That's what I tell people. The very first time I met him, I was on an elevator. He was on there with his, his, uh, his first wife, Juanita, back in Atlanta, the Super Bowl. And I'm looking at him. And he probably looking at me like, this dude, where? I know who he is. He like, but he, look how he, he looking at me like, I'm like, he, he like he was levitating. He didn't look real. I'm like, man, this yeah. Michael Joe. It was like, it was like, I'm talking about, it's the closest thing, I, you know, in the Bible, they talk about how the disciples, they saw G, they saw G, and they're like, he don't even look, I, to this day, I, every time I see him, 
He don't look real. I've never, I've never been right. like that with a man right. before in my life. And I've met some big time. <laughs> I've seen Samuel it's Jackson, Denzel. I'm right here with you. Man, from Samuel Jackson to Denzel, right LeBron, and, and, and Shaq, Kobe. But this, <laughs> he, he, when it comes to that, he a part. He ain't real. I'm right there with you. I'm right. I understand exactly how you feel. The, the only time that I had an experience like that is um, I was coming in from an All-Star. I was coming in from um, somewhere at an All-Star game, and everybody walked up to me. They was excited because everybody know how I feel about Michael Jackson. Right. Anybody that know me, like before the games and all that, I listen to Mike. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, I got to get up by listening to Mike. And he walked in, he walked in the hotel, and I came in after, and everybody was like, Chuck, Jordan, I mean, uh, um, um, Michael Jackson just came here. And I felt faint, man. <laughs> and I was so happy that I didn't see him because I thought I was going to be all on the internet or whatever. You know, like I thought I was going to really pass out like one of them fans. Right. You know what I mean? When I see, like, that's how much I love that man, man. <laughs> and I didn't even see him and I felt faint. <laughs> if I was song, you felt faint. <laughs> I felt faint, bro. I, and I understand. I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand what them fans be going through when they see him. Because you know, Mike, you jump on the stage and don't say nothing for a few minutes. Right. And everybody just pass out. Yeah. This man ain't yeah. start singing nothing. Yeah, he say, let it simmer. He say, he ain't gonna say nothing. He just come on stage, <laughs> he just stand there, he say, let it simmer. Just let that thing let say, it yeah, just, hey, don't, hey. <laughs> just, just keep the focus, just let it simmer. We, obviously, when you, when you grow up like, when you grow up like we grow up, we all, you know, we all dream. When I, Miami Vice was huge when I was growing up. And I just remember saying, I'm gonna get me some money. I'm gonna get me a Ferrari. I'm gonna get me a Rolex. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be crocking in tubs. I'm gonna be dressing like that. What's some of the, when you were growing up, what were some of the things, AI and Al, that you was like, when I get me some money, oh, I'm getting that. Yeah, Chuck. Me and, me and my mom, me and my mom was always, um, me and my mom was like, I don't know, since I can remember five, six years old, five years, uh, five or six years old, me and my mom was always infatuated with jewelry. Okay. Always. Since I was a, since I was a small kid, five, six years old. Now I remember being at Georgetown and, um, uh, Tupac, what was it? All Eyes on Me. Oh, yep. Where he had the jewelry yep. and the Rolex and all that. Yep. And I remember that album cover and I was, um, I was telling my teammates, like, you know, when I get drafted, you know what I mean? That's one of the things I'm gonna get, you know what I mean? Give me a Rolex and I'm gonna give me some jewelry like, like Tupac. And um, I think even like buying my mom a crib, I think that was the, obviously that was the best, you know, for me and my own. But even with all the cars and all that, like, that was the best to me for that moment right there, you know, for, for to, to be so young and always love jewelry like that and to be able to afford it to get whatever I wanted and, and get my mom whatever she wanted, you know, because we were so infatuated with jewelry. That was it. That was it for me. Al. And for me, it was it was it was a Benz. <laughs> I, always, I just always wanted I always wanted a Benz, man. And, you know, obviously I didn't go. I didn't get drafted as high as I wanted to. So my first Benz I got was a CLK 430. <laughs> that was a small, that was the small two-door. And I'll never forget, man. I got it. I went, I played that season. I bought it home for the summer and I went to Seen Hall. And I'm thinking I'm stunting on the campus. And I pull up 
and uh, my old high school point guard named Shaheen Holloway. I pull up and I get out. He's like, your big ass just got out of that little ass car. <laughs> hey, Al, listen, let me see. Let, let me see if you uh, if you had this moment when you first got it, when you first got it. Was you nervous in it driving away like you thought you was going to wreck it or something? Hell yeah, bro. I, I, I couldn't even get out the drop. Bro. It was crazy. It was terrible. It just I drove different. Hey, I, I thought I was going to wreck it. I was driving. I'm talking about straight up driving Miss Daisy, man. I had both hands on the wheel, <laughs> seat pushed all the way up. One no cool, leaning back and all yeah. that. I was so That's scared. I was because I had never been in the bins before. Hey, I, we, you know what I mean. Hey, I, we gonna get you here. We gonna get you out of here on this. We can't let you go. You say you was you was in awe of Jordan, but you crossed that man up. How you gonna cross that man up and then talk about you in awe of him in the same breath? Okay, because <laughs> Shannon, the, the the guy that taught me the crossovers, a walk on at um a walk on at Georgetown. Okay. And he never, you know, never played, never got in the game. But he the one that, you know, taught me to move because he used to hit me with it at practice all the time. And my ego, I just put it to the side and said, look, man, you got to teach me that. You got right. to teach me to move. He taught me to move. And I used to always remember telling my family and my friends, my teammates, like, if I got the opportunity that I was going to try my move against the best player that I've ever seen play the game. Okay. And it just... It, I'll never forget the moment, obviously, but I always can hear that voice in my head when Phil Jackson said Michael on the switch and he stepped out and I was like, okay, here go the moment and I'm not going to be scared of it. You know what I mean? I said I was going to do what I was going to do, so I'm going to try it. So when I tried the little and he bit on the little one, that's when I said, oh, yeah, he in trouble. <laughs> he bit on the little one. You said when I come up with that big one. He told me one day I went to a I went to a um I went to a, a Charlotte because I live in Charlotte. Right. So I went to a Charlotte uh, Hornets game and uh he had me come in and we in the back and me and him just you know sitting back and drinking and reminiscing or whatever and I was like, Man, I love you, man. And he was like, You don't love me, you little bitch. You <laughs> Man, and everybody in the room just bust out laughing. Man, it was crazy. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, congratulations, Al. Viola. He was just a, a casualty of war, Shannon. Oh, uh, he casualty of war? <laughs> yeah, Al, that's all. Al, congratulations, man. Viola's doing big things. Congratulations on the business. AI, congratulations on the partnership. Hell of a career. Hell of a career for both of you guys. Thanks for stopping by Club Shay Shay and giving me a couple of minutes of your time. Thanks, yes, man. Sir. Love my brother. Appreciate it. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.